With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom, reach new audiences, and bring important information to the public free of charge. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. This is The Reckoning with Timothy Shea on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. I referenced it a few times now, the 2022 movie, Everything All at Once, because that's what we're experiencing now. And we really need to take it up to the 50,000 foot level because we see all these huge stories and we get engrossed in all the stories and we go down the rabbit holes, but we don't see how they interrelate. And it's something I've referred to for years as the octopus. And then I met Charlie Robinson and he's using the same analogy. It's like two great minds. Because what it is, if you understand an octopus, and there's a wonderful video on YouTube, you can see it. There's an octopus on the deck of a trawler, and there are apertures at the deck line in the gunnel of a ship for deck water to wash out back into the sea. So if a huge wave comes in, the boat doesn't get uh, swamped, right? The water can just go off through the scuppers. Well, there's a an octopus on the deck, and slowly and surely, all eight limbs are moving in different directions at different speeds, but propelling the organism toward that scupper, through that scupper, because the scupper was a lot smaller than the octopus. And the octopus, because of its morphology, was able to squeeze itself through that scupper and get back into the ocean. And that's exactly what these proglodytes are like. Whether you want to call them Marxists, whether you want to call them communists, whether you want to call them progressives, they've been at this for over 100 years. And I blame Teddy Roosevelt. I would not have put Teddy Roosevelt on Mount Rushmore, and here's why. He was a phenomenal governor here in New York State. He was a phenomenal president his first term. He was on t- climbing Mount Marcy up in the Adirondacks, New York's h- tallest peak, when word came that McKinley had been shot in Buffalo and likely wasn't going to make it. So he was sworn in, and then we had Teddy Roosevelt, and he was wonderful. He started our national park system, which is very important to this country. He did a lot of other good things. And then he got weird. He got progressive. He literally ran on the first progressive party ticket. The nickname was the Bull Moose Party because Democrats had jackasses and Republicans had elephants. So they called the progressives the Bull Moose Party because of Teddy and his penchant for for hunting. But it wasn't the Bull Moose Party. He ran as the progressive party candidate and he split the Republican ticket just like our friend from Texas back in 92 that we had to put up the hood and see what's going on under there. H. Ross Perot. Teddy split the ticket and gave us Woodrow Wilson, president of Princeton University. Woodrow Wilson gave us the Federal Reserve, gave us the income tax, gave us the League of Nations, which became the United Nations. It all started with Teddy running for a third term under the Bull Moose Party banner. They've been at it a long time. Their goal is the destruction of Western civilization. And if you know the destination, the journey's easy to see. 
They first infiltrated the Roman Catholic Church. This isn't speculation. This is proven fact. Bella Dodd admitted as such. She blew the whistle on that in the 1940s. So we've had communists, cardinals, and even popes, at least one, maybe more, in the Vatican, undermining the Catholic faith. Because the Catholic Church is the largest church in the world. It's the church that traces directly back to Jesus Christ. The seven sacraments that Christ gave us. The incredible graces. Well, what happened? We had to have Vatican II to modernize. To make the church more relevant. Yeah? Look at church attendance. The goal wasn't to engage the world and make the church more relevant to the world. The whole point of the Roman Catholic Church is to get the world to engage with the church, to bring the secular world to Jesus Christ for salvation. They watered down the holy sacrifice of the Mass. They watered down baptism. They watered down Holy Communion. They watered down confession. They watered down confirmation. They watered down marriage. They watered down holy orders. They watered down extreme unction. All seven sacraments watered down. They watered down the breviary, changed the name even to the Book of Hours. Very Anglican title. They actually had Anglicans and Lutherans at Vatican II advising on liturgy. And what is liturgy? Liturgy is the outward expression of what the church believes. The holy sacrifice of the Mass encapsulates every Catholic belief, and they watered it all down. They took our beautiful stone altars, which were reminiscent of the rock on which Isaac was going to be sacrificed by Abram until God's angel stayed his hand. It also symbolizes Golgotha. When you enter a Roman Catholic church, you're literally stepping outside of time and space. You're mystically at the foot of the cross on Golgotha with Jesus offering himself as a sacrifice through the priest to his father. Wasn't a one-time deal. It's continual because at no moment of the day is there not a Catholic mass being offered somewhere in the world. It is a continual sacrifice of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, to his Father to redeem our sins. It wasn't a one-time deal. It's not a recreation of the Last Supper, although that is referenced. So they took our beautiful stone altars that had so much meaning and replaced them with Lutheran wooden tables, changing the entire meaning of the Mass from a sacrifice to a reenactment of the Last Supper. They turned the priest around from facing God to facing the congregation. The Mass isn't about us. The Mass is about God. Once they got into the Catholic Church, they got into all the other churches. And now we've got various churches preaching that homosexual marriage is sacred and valid. That is splitting the Lutheran Church into. It's splitting the Methodist Church into. There are 39,000 Protestant denominations in the United States alone. 39,000. Jesus Christ did not come here to establish 39,000 churches. He came here to establish one church. And now we have a pope. I'm not going to say he's not Catholic, but I will say he's not Orthodox. He is absolutely not Orthodox. And he has now banned the traditional Latin Mass, the Mass of the Ages, the Mass that was said right after Jesus died. In the decades after Jesus died, the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, as we knew it up until 1969, was being offered. 
you know, obviously some additions along the way, but the essential structure, the canon of the mass, the sacrifice, the offering was the same from AD 50 or 60, right up till 1969. And now the Pope has banned that mass in Texas. He is heretical. It's unbelievable what's going on in the Catholic Church, but it's only one part of what's going on in the wider world. These globalists are taking over everything. They've taken over the Fortune 500 companies. They've taken over every single Western government. We literally are at an extinction level event, not only for nation states, but for human rights and human liberty. That's why we are so passionate here at TNT, because what we do matters. We're an independent global news talk station that does what others only say that they do. We are a live radio and TV broadcaster that simply tells the truth 24 hours a day, seven days a week. No one in the world does what we do. Crisscrossing the globe, providing credible news and opinion all day and all night. In two and a half years, TNT has become a credible and exciting platform with brilliant hosts and staff. It's a critical time, and we must continue to call out the misinformation and propaganda from mainstream media and their powerful sponsors. We are now appealing to our many friends and supporters around the world to go to TNTradio.live, make a small donation to TNT while we seek the right investors to continue our important mission. Investors that won't sell us out, investors that won't take us over, and investors that won't water down our message. You're listening to The Reckoning on today's news talk, lighting the fuse for freedom at TNT. Connecting the dots, painting the bigger picture. They always have great conversation. Today's news talk radio, TNT. A former friend of Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis directly undercut claims about when her relationship with her top prosecutor started, according to her courtroom testimony on Thursday. Here with the story, joining me now is TNT News producer Adam Clark, a.k.a. Ruckus. Thanks, Timothy. Oh, Robin, Robin, Robin. Uh, Robin's probably out of a friend. Uh, that's the friend's name. Um, so, yeah, the report is that not long into Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis's misconduct hearing Thursday, that's today, a witness, that's right, on the stand, hand on the Bible and everything, provided a damning indication that the Black Panther's daughter and her lover may have been less than honest with the court about their potentially compromising affair. Oh, my, you don't say. Whereas Willis would prefer Judge Scott McAfee to think her affair started in 2022, it may actually have started as early as October 2019. Now, I can see how you can get those two you know, dates confused, right? Uh, just kidding. Uh, Willis's lawyers filed a document with the Fulton County Superior Court on February 2nd, confirming that the Democratic DA had been romantically involved with one Nathan Wade, the allegedly underqualified man she had appointed top prosecutor in former President Donald Trump's Georgia election interference case. This admission came weeks after a lawyer for one of Trump's co-defendants filed a motion to disqualify Willis, alleging she was embroiled in, quote, an improper clandestine personal 
relationship, end quote, with Wade, that the relationship was to her financial benefit and that the affair may have involved possible criminality. The filing uh, from the DA's office on February 2nd stressed the, quote, personal relationship between Special Prosecutor Wade and District Attorney Willis has never involved direct or indirect financial benefit to District Attorney Willis end quote, and that, quote, Willis has no personal conflict of interest that justifies her disqualification personally or that of the Fulton County District Attorney's Office, end quote. Furthermore, the filing suggested that the affair did not start until after Wade's November 2021 appointment as special counsel. Wade made expressly clear in his affidavit that they did not start dating until 2022. Well, there's a new complaint uh, indicated uh, Friday that attorney Terrence Bradley, a former friend and business associate of Wade's, has, quote, non-privileged personal knowledge that the romantic relationship between Wade and Willis began prior to Willis's being sworn as the district attorney for Fulton County, Georgia, in journey January of 2021, end quote. But he's not the only one who could cast doubt on the Democratic DA's preferred timeline today. We did this thing. So there was a timeline of the affair. The uh, There was an attorney, Ashley Merchant, uh, and in all of this, basically, according to a report by the New York Times, uh, we have a friend who stepped forward. This is one Robin Yerty is the person's name. Okay, so according to uh, testimony from this, this person who says that they are a longtime friend of uh, Fonnie Willis, Robin Yurti, she was called as a witness to testify on these allegations, and according to them, Miss <sighs> Yurti, who previously worked in the DA's attorney's office, testified on the witness stand that she saw the pair hugging and kissing prior to November 2021. She said their relationship appeared to have started sometime in 2019. The defense lawyer, uh, Merchant, Ashley Merchant, uh, representing co-defendant Michael Roman, asked the witness, Ms. Yurdy, quote, you have no doubt that their romantic relationship was in effect from 2019 until the last time you spoke with her, end quote. The response from Ms. Yurdy, quote, no doubt, end quote. Well, that places into doubt somebody's testimony. Somebody's lying, Timothy. Who could it possibly be, I wonder? But what do you think about all this? Well, you've heard the expression rick-rack. Fanny, and our UK friends will know why I call her Fanny. I know her name's Fanny. I call her Fanny. She got Robin Rock today. There's a great old song for those who don't like the oldies, Rock and Robin. And that's exactly what happened today. Robin rocked Fanny's story to its foundations. And then, Adam, it gets better. I don't know if you saw this today. This was this was the best theater farce I've ever seen. She's up yelling, that's a lie, in court, banging down the gavel. <laughs> and her boyfriend says, oh, yeah, no, she, uh, yeah, she charged those trips on her credit card. And then, uh, yeah, she paid me thousands of dollars in cash. Meanwhile, he's already said she used Cash App and they've got all the receipts from Cash App. The whole thing, Fanny's gone. Fanny will not be keeping her law license. She will, and neither will her boyfriend, by the way, and they will be lucky to stay out of prison, Adam. This is theft. She paid him 60 bands. $600,000 she paid him. You wonder where these people get all this money? It's from suckers like us.
These people live high off the hog off of taxpayer dollars. $600,000 she gave to him to prosecute Trump, to keep her campaign promise. I'm going to get Trump, just like our attorney general here in New York State, Letitia James. Well, these people need not only to lose their law license, all of them, James, New York District Attorney Alvin Bragg, Fanny, her boyfriend, the special prosecutor down there in Fulton County, they all need to lose their law licenses and go directly to prison. Do not pass go, do not collect your kiss in the mail pension. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I mean, what is it? this? This doesn't necessarily change anything or does it with the Trump case because she was in charge of all of that. It calls into question the entire case because it shows a corrupt intent in the commencement of the prosecution. OK, so they had a corrupt intent from the start. So this doesn't endanger the entire prosecution. The judge could rule that the case be transferred to another prosecutor. But Donald Trump's attorneys have an outstanding issue on appeal because of the corrupt intent of Fannie Willis and her boyfriend to get Donald Trump at all costs. And you know the irony? He, they call him the Teflon Don for a reason. I know that that nickname originally was for John Gotti because all the charges they threw at him used to just not stick until they finally did. Well. Donald Trump is the real Teflon Don because the charges they keep throwing at him are 100% bogus. This criminal trial that the judge just ordered today, that jury selection is going to begin on March 25th. They had to, he, he, Alvin Bragg in Manhattan is consistently, not once in a while, consistently lowering felonies, violent felonies, not properties against crime, properties against persons, down to misdemeanors. With Donald Trump, he took what was at best a misdemeanor, elevated it to a felony, and did some ledger germane of the law to make it brought outside the statute of limitations. Every single case brought against Donald Trump, from the documents case with the illegally appointed special persecutor Jack Smith in D.C. to the uh, criminal trial in Manhattan, which relates to the payoff by uh, Cohen, uh, Stormy Daniels' boyfriend. It was Cohen that paid her off, not Donald Trump. That case is bogus. The Georgia election interference case is bogus. The insurrection case is bogus. They're all completely bogus. And I'm not saying that as a partisan. That's just the legal reality of it. Every single case fails on its merits. And the people that brought them at them, I think every single one of them is going to at least face bar disciplinary discipline, if not prison themselves. Wow, that's a high cost just to take a personal vendetta against the former president, Timothy, in my book. I always say that stupid needs to hurt more, and, and this is a beautiful playing out of that wish. So let's hope I get it. Let's hope we all get it. Because what we seek, Adam, isn't retribution. What we seek is justice. Yeah, I would love to see some of that. And then, you know, it's interesting that it's not it's not their cases that are necessarily falling apart. That's it's not their cases that are falling apart. 
Sorry, it's the the character of the people who are bringing the cases that are falling apart. That's their undoing. Yes. Well, and, but the character is causing the cases to fall apart, right? Because once their character is revealed, people can see that their motivations for bringing the cases were corrupt. This isn't about, they're not pursuing justice. They're pursuing Donald Trump. This is a get Trump at any cost. They are deathly afraid of him. Why? Because he is the only person in our entire political landscape right now that will drive a wooden stake through the evil heart of this cabal that is trying to undermine our country. And that's exactly what they're trying to do. Yeah. Sorry, sad, Timothy. <clears throat> do you want to pick this up so, after the break real quick? Uh, yes, absolutely. TNT's Bruce de Torres. The Who's proposed treaty will increase man-made pandemics by Merrill Nass. Just a minute about this. This report is designed to help readers think about some big topics. How to really prevent pandemics and biological warfare. How to assess proposals by the WHO and its members for responding to pandemics. And whether we can rely on our health officials to navigate these areas in ways that make sense and will help their population. populations. We start with the history of biological arms control and rapidly move to the COVID pandemic, eventually arriving at plans to protect the future. She didn't put protect in quotes, but I just did verbally. World Stage and Bruce de Torres on today's News Talk TNT. This is generally the view of people, oh, we don't know much about a well, you should know, because whether you know it or not, he is fighting for you. For your courage and leadership and tenacity in journalism and publishing. Since 2010, Assange has been held in progressively narrower, darker, colder and crueler spaces. He has been detained since the 7th of December 2010 in one form or another. And we are now here after years of imprisonment. WikiLeaks is a non-state hostile intelligence service. I think the man is a high-tech terrorist. A high-tech terrorist. A traitor, a treasonist. He has to answer for what he has done. Assange faces up to 175 years in prison for publishing classified documents exposing U.S. war crimes. The U.S. government narrative about Julian is a complete fraud. It is a complete fraud from A to Z. Julian took on the most powerful countries in the world, basically all of them. We now have confirmed that there were plans to kidnap Julian here in the center of London or even assassinate him. No one who instigated that illegal and immoral war has been brought to justice. But the great truth teller sits behind bars. If wars can be started by lies, peace can be started by truth. Julian Assange is a hero. What if everything we thought we knew about somebody was a lie? Would we be willing to go on a new journey of understanding? This is a story of deception, lies, bravery, and a man who risked everything to bring the truth to light.
Mistrassan shows all the symptoms that are typical for a person that has been exposed to psychological torture over a prolonged period of time. He looked at me intensely and said, I hate to say this. He then hesitated, visibly troubled and searching for words. And then he finally said, please save my life. May future generations have the ability to speak without restraint. May our children and their children know truth and have access to information that leads to justice. Wherever Julian goes, free speech goes with him. If there is a bird that is about to take flight, stretch her wings and rule the skies, may it be a pista and no longer a bald eagle. If you think Assange is a traitor, he's a rapist, he's a narcissist, he's a hacker. I don't blame you because you have been deceived. And if you think you've not been deceived, that's normal because otherwise it wouldn't be deception. A hoax about carbon dioxide in the climate has caused a global energy and economic disaster. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Adam, what are you making of Tucker Carlson's trip to Russia? He released a video today saying he's been radicalized by a visit to a supermarket in Moscow. Yesterday, he did a stunning video of a, a regular Moscow subway station that had been built under Stalin, by the way. And as Tucker said, Stalin was an evil guy, but that has nothing to do with the subway station. It was clean. It didn't smell of urine. There weren't rats on the tracks. There was gorgeous artwork on the wall. The walls were painted white and trimmed in gold, and they weren't scuffed up. They weren't dirty. Everything was pristine and clean. And then today he went to a grocery store, and everybody on his team, they estimated how much it would be, and they came up pretty much around $400 and it was only $100. And Tucker said, that's what radicalized him. He said, it doesn't matter what kind of guy you are, if you're a good guy or a bad guy. It doesn't matter what your ideology is. If you're making your citizens' lives worse, demonstrably worse with high crime, filthy cities, and rampant inflation that is destroying their uh, purchasing power, that's not a good leader. I happen to agree with them. Putin might not be a good guy, but I don't think he's the bad guy they're making him out to be. Oh yeah, I don't I don't know what this this concept why his choice of word is uh to say he was radicalized. Uh that's kind of strange to me. Um I would have probably chosen a different way to explain it, but I mean you can't you can't deny what he's experiencing out there. I mean he he said in that interview with I had the guy's name too cuz I I was watching that earlier. Uh the TV presenter he was speaking to was Imad Eldin Adib. Um, and he said in there, um, he said the, uh, the, the, the part about the, um, he said that he is age 54. He grew up in an America that had nice, safe and beautiful cities, quote, and we no longer have them, end quote. So to, I mean, you don't, what's that, the, the, the expression, you don't know what you got until it's gone. Right. So exactly, this was like a, yeah. a, a slap in the face. Like, I mean, it, it happens to us while we're living here, we're all we're experiencing it. It's like the slow uh, boil syndrome with the, the frog. You put the 
the frog in the pot of the boiling water. I should ask Kamala Harris about this. She explains it better than I do. But we, you know what I'm talking about. So we we forget we we forget how far down we've gone until we go to a place that's not experiencing those things, and it's just like a cold hard slap in the face of reality. Um, but again, why did he choose to use the word radicalizing? I don't understand, Timothy. And I did see the uh, the pictures of the clean, safe, um, the the subway, I think was the big one. Everyone was shocked about the subway. Uh, it's been a long time since I've ridden the subway. But when I did, when I was younger, it, it probably, you know, it didn't even look as good as the one in Moscow, that's for sure. So it's been a problem with America for a long time coming, that's for sure. But how do we get to a place like this, whereas like a country like Moscow, who like, you know, for those of us in America, we just think, oh, they used to be a communist country. They're bad. There's probably all broken and dirty. How did this happen? How are they better than America now, Timothy? In a word, pride. They have respect for themselves. We don't have respect for ourselves. We don't have any pride. Look at how slovenly people dress. People used to wear their Sunday best to get on an airplane. Men were wearing, at the very least, sport jackets, always a tie. Women were wearing dresses, hats, and gloves. Look at the people on a plane now. They're wearing their stained, dirty culottes that pass for basketball shorts now that they wore to bed the previous two nights. We've become a slovenly nation. We're slovenly in our speech, we're slovenly in our habits, and we're slovenly in our thinking. We are a fast food McNation. There's a great video I watched last night on YouTube why every highway off-ramp in America is exactly the same. You can't tell whether you're in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, Topeka, Kansas, or Toluca, Washington, it's all the same. Goes back to that movie, uh, Accidental Tourist, the novel in the movie back in the 1980s with movie with William Hurt. And the Accidental Tourist was about a man who never wanted to leave home. He didn't like to travel, but unfortunately his job made him travel. And so he went out of his way to, for example, always stay in a Holiday Inns because Holiday Inns are always standard and it was always the same. And he'd always eat at McDonald's because McDonald's was the same. And uh, that's what we've become. We've become a, a McNation where everything's the same and we no longer have pride in ourselves. Sad to say, Adam. Thank you. You're listening to The Reckoning on today's News Talk, TNT. I have some good news. Uh, uh, TNT Radio News. TNT, this is James O'Neill. New York Supreme Court Justice Juan Marchan confirmed that former President Donald Trump's hush money trial will commence with jury selection on March 25th, despite objections from Trump's legal team. The U.S. Department of Justice has requested a federal court to withhold the names of staff working under Trump's special prosecutor Jack Smith, as disclosed by Judicial Watch. A Freedom of Information request revealed that the U.K.'s Met Office could not substantiate its claim, reported by the BBC, the storms in the U.K have become more intense due to climate change. Globalist agendas, democratic rights at risk, corruption, propaganda. It never stops. For the news and views silenced by the mainstream media, by government and corporations, vote one. TNT Radio. Free speech always has a home here. Stay up to date with the latest live news and current affairs delivered by our lineup of expert commentators and hosts. Listen to TNT Radio anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's News Talk. This is TNT Radio. Last December, 
Julian Assange's two-day public hearing was announced for February 20th and 21st at the UK High Court to determine whether Julian will have permission to appeal or whether he'll be extradited to the United States where he faces criminal prosecution. TNT will be at the Royal Courts of Justice, broadcasting and covering the entire two days if required. Then TNT will broadcast from various locations throughout London to get Londoners' commentary on the proceedings. Also, the London premiere of The Trust Fall, Julian Assange, the movie for which we just played the trailer, will be at Rio Cinemas on Sunday, 18th February at 1 p.m. The film will be followed by a panel discussion and a Q&A with confirmed guests Tariq Ali and Kristen Hreffinson, and hopefully also with Stella Assange. To find out more, go to Google and search for The Trust Fall. Julian Assange, London premiere. We are lighting the fuse for freedom at today's News Talk, TNT. It seems like I'm a little agitated tonight, a little more animated than usual, like maybe I've got a burr under my saddle or a bee in my bonnet. You're not wrong. It's amazing. You know, the old Chinese curse, may you live in interesting times. Somebody must have laid that curse on our generation because these are the most interesting times we've seen, I think, since the 1960s. Sure, we've had 9-11 and the wars that that spawned. We had the Gulf War in the late 80s, early 90s. We had the fall of communism. Those were certainly interesting times. We had Nixon, the Vietnam War, Watergate in all of the 1960s upheaval, but I don't think we've had as much change in as short a period of time by such malign actors. Look at how quickly the mental illness known as the transgender rights movement has happened. That wasn't a thing before 2015, it wasn't even talked about. And now all of a sudden it's all anyone can talk about and it's constantly shoved down our throats. It's no accident that they took the pride flag and added a triangle with different colors to make the transgender flag that directly mimics the Palestinian flag. Look at the shapes. They're exactly the same. And what happened to a young Florida man who decided to exercise his First Amendment rights? And sure, you can charge him with civic vandalism if you want because he did a burnout all over the transgender flag that a Florida town had painted in a crosswalk. But come on, they're charging him with a felony hate crime. We need to get rid of hate crimes. There's no such thing as a loving, kind, caring crime. They're all hate crimes. Rape is rape, murder is murder, aggravated battery is aggravated battery. If we are truly to be a nation of laws and not men, we need to make equal justice under law, not just four words carved into stone above a Supreme Court doorway. We need to make it the law of the land. It's my great pleasure to welcome back to The Reckoning, Dr. Naomi Wolf. Dr. Wolf is an American feminist and author, journalist, and served as a political advisor to the presidential campaigns of Bill Clinton and Al Gore. Naomi did her undergraduate work in English literature at 
Yale College before taking her doctorate in poetry at Oxford University, where she was a Rhodes Scholar. After the 1991 publication of her first book, The Beauty Myth, Naomi became a leading spokesman of what has been called the third wave of the feminist movement. Wikipedia now calls Dr. Wolf a conspiracy theorist for her skepticism about the now-proven deadly COVID-19 modified RNA gene therapy injections. She was deplatformed eight times, but refuses to be silenced. I'd like to welcome back Dr. Naomi Wolf. It's great to see you, Naomi. It's so good to speak with you again, and please call me Naomi, as you just did. Yes, thank you. Uh, your new book, Facing the Beast, Courage, Faith, and the Resistance in a New Dark Age. What an amazing title. I can't wait to read it. Thank you. Yeah, it, it tells the story of the last two years. Um, you briefly alluded to some of the uh, signposts along the way um, when I was deep platform from Twitter for telling the truth about um, mRNA injections effect on women's reproductive health, uh, you know, globally smeared, but, you know, that turned out to be kind of a blessing in disguise because I've spent the last two years listening to and talking to conservatives and independents and libertarians, and my eyes have been really opened. Um, one of the essays in the book is is called uh, Dear Conservatives, I Apologize, because I believed a lot of things that were true. So um, it's also the story of kind of how our country in the United States was torn apart by the COVID, um, you know, felony, I don't know what else to call it, the mass, mass murder, mass suppression of rights, mass, you know, violation of the Constitution, um, how we're traumatized by that. And I guess the last theme in the book is that in this process of looking at this abyss, because I oversee 3,250 doctors and scientists who have analyzed the Pfizer documents are still doing it and, and issued 94 reports documenting the greatest crime against humanity in history. Um, that kind of horror finally led me to believe, it's a long answer, but finally led me to believe that this is a battle that's more than political, it's more than material. It's really a, a battle between good and evil that it has spiritual dimensions. It really is. Hence, facing the beast. I'm, I, I take it that you weren't referring to the presidential limousine. <laughs> the beast. Um, no, beast can have many meanings. The, the literal meaning, please forgive me for being out on the street. I've been literally in the state house all day here in, in Cheyenne, uh, Wyoming, helping to pass a clean elections bill that we drafted, um, my my company and I drafted it with the American Voters Alliance. And so it's just very exciting to be able to go state house to state house and pass this bill, which hopefully will clean up our elections in time for 2024. But um, the beast is literally in that part of the book, it's a bear that had gotten too comfortable in our backyard upstate in the woods um, and, and got so comfortable that it was breaking into the house. But that's a metaphor for what I cover in that chapter as well, which is China. We got so comfortable with China um, and turned a blind eye to the threat that China poses. Um, and that relates to who is the beast. It is also China and the World Economic Forum and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, all these evildoers, the, you know, the WHO, who are aligned because I found um, with my original reporting that China is the partner in manufacturing these mRNA injections for Pfizer and distributing them and China holds the IP. China uh, built 14 manufacturing plants in Western Europe and two in North America. Um, China created a billion doses, but not for internal use. They use another kind of injection. Uh, so 
that aligned with the depopulation statistics I was seeing and also the damage to reproduction that I saw in the Pfizer documents, where at a 13 to 20% drop in live birth in North America and Western Europe. Meanwhile, people from countries that don't have a tradition of freedom or a constitution or women's rights are flooding into our nation and into Western Europe without being injected. So this is, um, and I'm the daughter of immigrants, granddaughter of immigrants. This is not a, a racist observation. It's a geopolitical observation. Um, and so it, it, it led me to conclude that this injection is a bioweapon and, and that these bad guys are behind it. Um, and that too is the beast. Lastly, the beast is the fact that half of our society colluded overnight with a two-tier Jim Crow type, you know, 1933 Germany type society. That also is the beast. Exactly. My, I, my observation was, if you wonder why the Stasi was able to repress Eastern Germany for so long, just look at what happened in Hawaii. Brooke McGowan, who's running for Congress now in NC10, was living in Hawaii to assist her daughter. And Brooke was blown in by her next door neighbor for not wearing a mask as she wheeled her garbage can the 20 feet down her driveway with no one else around to put it out by the curb for the garbage truck. But here this little fascist peeping behind a curtain calls the police on her, Naomi. Oh my gosh. I mean, that's the beast, right? It turns out that at least half of our friends and neighbors are are willing to collude with evil to the ultimate level the minute it becomes inconvenient for them to speak up for for good or truth. Exactly. We're seeing the same thing now with with people. The anti-Semitism throughout the country is more virulent than any time that I can remember in my lifetime. I'm 62 years old. I've never seen open anti-Semitism like I have now. And it's coming from the left, which is shocking. And I was laughing when you described the bear because I literally have a bear in my backyard. Okay. I, <laughs> my cousin lives around the corner and I can get to her house by cutting through the woods. And there was a big black bear at the end of her driveway last August. Well, right in November, we had a tree that was rotting and I came back one day and the whole tree is just clawed apart. He, I, he got every, or she got every single grub that was living in that tree. And it's just, the tree is literally shredded now. It's just shreds of, of wood in my backyard. So I'm, I'm laughing that that pair has gotten a little too comfortable and I don't know how comfortable I am with that one. And I don't know how comfortable we should be with, with the beast that you're describing not comfortable at all. I mean, there's a way to live alongside bears, but you have to set boundaries. And um, yeah, and we've let, I mean, we've let there be an infiltration into the very heart of our nation. I mean, there's on so many levels, you know, these millions of people are being flown and bust all over our country and they're being housed, you know, in, in right. barracks you know, communal housing. I think back to my grandparents, my dad's family, probably your grandparents, everyone's grandparents who came from other countries. They didn't get housed. And in no. New York State, there's a there's a bill. New York City, they're planning for three years of free accommodation. They've budgeted right. over dollars for that. All right, are you like, kidding when, me? I'm up outside Syracuse. Ahead. I'm thinking of migrating down to the city and getting me one of those cards that give you two thousand dollars a month. Come on, man. And the, but let me add another element to this. Like 
the military element. So my husband, Brian O'Shea, is former military intel uh, veteran, former embedded with special forces. And he looks at these pictures of these mostly young fighting age men coming over the border. And he's like, look at the military haircuts. Look at how they're standing at parade rest. Look at how they're marching in cadence. This is the officer. You know, he can analyze that. And his uh, co-host on his podcast, um, Unrestricted Invasion, is J.J. Carroll, a border agent, a former border agent. And he's describing a situation where they're letting in hundreds of special interest aliens, which are people who are either terrorists or aligned with terrorist nations or organizations. And in the past, in the past, he said he, he came counted maybe five in his whole career. They were arrested, interrogated by the FBI, and deported. And now they're being sent to various critical parts in our heartland, you know, maybe near our infrastructure. I mean, I was, I've been talking to military people about what this represents. Just look at what happened in Israel, right? A handful of right. people in the southern border created absolute havoc, catastrophic crisis. Well, that was a highly surveilled, highly barricaded border. People weren't just, you know, allowed to walk right in to the heart of Tel Aviv and, and Jerusalem. Now imagine with that kind of havoc, with just a handful of people, if at a signal, you know, the, these could be these could be like platoons. Like we really don't know. And in my original reporting in my essay on this on Substack called What is a Culture showed that a lot of these people are coming from countries like Uzbekistan and Angola that have a history of um, mercenary bases, like companies right. that train for mercenaries. So it's 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 more than scary. It's absolutely terrifying. They're, like if you were going to invade and subdue the United States, this is how you would do it. It's absolutely how you would do it. And we've had we've all seen the video from the border of the Middle Eastern man that says, you don't know my name, but you will soon. These aren't sleeper cells. These are cells on the ready. They're waiting for the green light, as, as you said. But you know, Naomi, what works for bears also works for these people, right? Relocation. You catch them and you relocate them back into the wild. These people all need, you know, you might disagree with a lot of Donald Trump's politics, but you can't argue with the fundamental wisdom of the fact that we need the largest deportation effort in history. These aren't good people, well-meaning people. There are, you know, hundreds of thousands of people, if not millions of people, have entered our country to do us harm. If not physical harm, certainly economic harm. Well, I don't know all these people, so I don't want to generalize about everyone. However, the methodology supports what you say. I was astonished in my reporting for my essay to find that you, the UN and USAID, meaning our tax dollars, um, right. as well as the, the, a, a, the neutral metanational body, you know, it's not supposed to attack sovereign nations with population bombs, right? But these two entities are funding a multi-country staging area with um, restivos, like rest stops and ATM cards and tents and clothing and, you know, envelopes full of cash. Um, and it, and it, it's Ecuador, it's I'm, El Salvador, Nicaragua, um, Honduras. Uh, sorry about that. And, um, this, this is like this fully, uh, it looks like there's a problem with the video. Can you still hear me? It says the host yes. is disabled. Nope, okay. I can hear you. Let's wrap up, if I may, with audio. Um, this, this is, you know, $347 million of UN money in one year 
goes to this staging of people to enter our country. So again, why are this is entirely planned? And look, I understand that not everybody, not everybody is bad. There are some families looking for a better economic future for themselves. And I understand that. I understand the impulse to want to come to the United States. Believe me, all of our forebears came to the United States at some point, but they did it legally. Right. And so this is this is a slap in the face of all of my friends who who paid tens of thousands of dollars and waited years for citizenship. And they got nothing except the opportunity to make a life here. And they're the ones that are most insistent that these people get sent back. Make them come back the right way. Yeah. So I was just going to like totally agree with you that, you know, the bottom line is whoever these people are, they are breaking our laws and people who break our laws cannot stay in our country. But, I, you know, I hope I mean, let me just end by saying and then I'm afraid I have to hop off because it's 32 degrees here and I'm freezing um, and, and soon to run out of charge. But uh, what what people have got to understand is that the summer, spring and summer are going to be very dangerous in the United States. Um, in May, the WHO is going to try to ram through its treaty that drains sovereignty from every signatory country. And if they do that, then any, you know, they can have their own military or UN military show up, you know, in our homeland, in our heartland uh, and do whatever they want with us. Um, but also the summer and early fall leading up to the presidential election I expect will be incredibly dangerous and unstable. I'm sure these millions of people are going to be instrumentalized, you know, with or without their will to create havoc and instability so that we'll be in a state of emergency, forced to stay home, forced to send in absentee ballots. And circling back, that's why this um, election integrity bill is so important, because we're going to have to fight to vote, to vote in person, to resist emergency law or whatever, like disease X or fake catastrophe is launched on us next. And we have to stand firm throughout the, the spring and summer and into the fall um, to, to get rid of these uh, traitors who are running our country. Absolutely. And I want to thank you for making such an effort with this clean elections law and for going state house to state house. This should not be a partisan issue. We all yeah. need clean, secure elections so that when somebody wins an election, we know that's the voice of our fellow citizens. Exactly. Thank you so much. Yeah. I, oh, I no. Thank it. you for braving the cold and, and for coming out. We're going to have you back in a few weeks to have a longer discussion because th- these are really important topics. Thank you, Dr. Naomi Wolf. Thank you. And Facing the Beast is on Amazon or on All Seasons Press. Thank you so much for having me. Take care. You're, you're, you're entirely welcome. Yes, folks, the book is Facing the Beast, Courage, Faith, and Resistance in a New Dark Age. And you can get it as Naomi said, at Amazon or at um, dailyclout.io. Over the weekend, Candace Owens and the Daily Wire program behind the scenes, I think it's called. It's it's all the hosts sitting around. Some of the guys are smoking cigars and they're just having a general talk. And Candace made a very interesting point. She said that Taylor Swift said that Lena Dunham taught her feminism. And apparently, according to Candace, this new wave of feminism teaches that you can get whatever you want if you portray yourself as a victim and a woman. And Tay-Tay has done this repeatedly over the years, and she's reaped over a billion dollars as a result. 
But is this feminism? Isn't this the cliched damsel in distress feminine wiles trope from which the Betty for Dan feminists were trying to liberate women? I think so. I think it's all phony. It's as phony as her relationship with Travis Kelsey, which is an obvious, obvious psyop. <laughs> Travis was on a show talking about how he only dated black women because that's all he liked was black women. And now he's dating the whitest woman in America. I mean, come on. Everybody knows that this was put together by their publicists. It's a great business move. It brought a whole new audience to the Super Bowl. It brought a whole new audience to Taylor Swift. She's going to make a lot of money. NFL's going to make a lot of money. NFL's going to kick a little bit of that money to Travis. You know, Travis is getting the big Pfizer bucks because he took a knee, then he took the jab. But did he really take the jab? I'm curious about that. Did any of the people that were telling us to get take the jab actually take the jab? Doesn't seem that any of them are dying suddenly. Katie Hopkins put out a great video calling out her former editors in the United Kingdom by name. She said, where are you? Look at the Lancet. The excess death numbers are through the roof. These are nuggets we used to dig for and we used to trumpet to the skies. You guys are quiet. Why? Is it because Pfizer's your number one advertiser? Where are you? Where is journalism? We've got over, and she started reading the numbers. You know, 86,000 deaths here, 25,000 excess deaths there. Just look at the numbers, folks. This is a depopulation effort. If they didn't kill us with the hospital protocol of ventilators and remdesivir, and they're killing us with turbo cancers and cardiac events. And if they can't kill us that way, they're going to kill off the next generation through all of the infertility and childbirth issues that we've seen. These are evil, evil people. And as I said at the top, you got to think of everything as an octopus, right? George Soros is only one arm of the octopus. Larry Fink in BlackRock in Vanguard and State Street are only one arm of the octopus. We've got NGOs, we've got the UN, we've got the Democrat Party. All these different arms of the same organism, all propelling the organism in one constant direction. And it's relentless. The wheel always ratchets forward, never seems to slip back. Well, we need to break that ratchet wheel. We don't need to just slowly, gradually back away from the abyss. We need to shove these evil, malign-intented operators over the cliff into the abyss while we race in the other direction back to civilization, back to beautiful subway stations, back to beautiful theaters, back to having some pride where we don't just throw everything on the floor and expect somebody else is going to pick it up. That's it for tonight's Reckoning on today's News Talk. Stay tuned for the Havorier Moritz Show. I'm Timothy Shea. Until next time, God bless you. God bless these United States. Keep fighting the good fight. <laughs>